Well, first I want to say I didn't know that uh, Brother Scott Elkins was around in the 70s. He's been around that long. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Trying to get in, you know, as we do this. <laughs> he likes me. <laughs> Praise God. Listen, if you have your Bibles this morning, this is what I want you to do. Turn to Numbers chapter 27, Numbers 27, and put a little marker there. And once you've done that, go back to 1 Kings chapter 3. All right, so in other words, go to Numbers 27, put a little marker there, and then go back to 1 Kings chapter 3, and we'll be there in a minute. We're going to talk over the next couple weeks about going out and coming in. It's a short little series called Let Us Go. Going out and coming in. And before we talk about going out, I just want to talk briefly about coming in. So this week we're going to talk about let us come in. There's a, there's a saying in the Bible that I've, I've read in a, in a few different scriptures and I kind of glossed over it, you know, because... I felt like I knew what it meant, and I really didn't know what it meant. And then I saw it one day, and I said, you know, this phrase, I've seen this phrase several times now that I've read different scriptures at different places in the Bible, and I wonder what that means. And so I looked into it a little further, and I was a little surprised at what I found, and that's what I want to share with you a little bit this morning. Here's a phrase I've seen from time to time, and it's repeated several times. So before we get to that, let me ask you a couple of questions before we get to the scripture. And I think you'll know the answer to at least one of them. What did Solomon ask God for? Anybody know? Wisdom. Okay, now here's the second and most important question. Why? Why did he ask God for wisdom? Well, we're going to look at that in the scriptures today. It actually tells you why Solomon asked God for wisdom. He's talking to God and to the Lord, and he, he, God says, Ask for anything that you want, whatever your heart desires. And he actually gives the reason that he asks for wisdom. God said, I'll give you a wise and understanding heart. And we know that that was wisdom. The reason I want to talk about this is it's very significant as we move forward, as we move forward as individuals, as we move forward as families, and especially as we move forward as a church. How many really enjoyed the message that we got if you were here last week on discipleship? Amen. The one word, you know, Pastor Jerry, David put up those things and uh, we recognized uh, all of those advertisements, but when you see church, what's the one word you think about? And really, discipleship and, and going out and making disciples uh, should be that word. It's what Jesus charged us with, isn't it? But in order to do that, we need to understand what his will and his purpose is. So that's what we're going to talk about. Look at First Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3, and we're going to see this phrase here, beginning at verse number 5. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 says this. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, 
ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy on your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart. With you, you have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. Now look at what he says here. He says, I do not know how to go out or to come in. Solomon said, you have made me king instead of my father, but I don't know how to go out or to come in. And then he goes on to say that your people are numerous and great. And uh, Would you give me understanding of heart? Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I don't know how to go out. I don't know how to come in. My father knew how to do this, but I don't know how to do this. And that's the reason I need wisdom. Because I don't know how to go out and to come in. So obviously before God gave Solomon wisdom, maybe Solomon had some issues with doorknobs. I don't know. I don't think that's the reason what going out and coming in means. Look back here at Numbers 27. Turn back. Remember I said turn to Numbers chapter 27. Put a little marker there so we should already be there. Numbers 27 verse 15. Now this is Moses speaking. And he says this. Then Moses spoke to the Lord saying, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them And go in, and that word go, the Hebrew word there is also the same word that says come in. And go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in. That the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. Isn't this amazing here, what Moses is saying? He's saying we need a new senior pastor of this congregation, Lord. Because I'm getting old. I'm ready to move into something else. But here's the thing. Out of all of the qualifications of this new leader, this new senior pastor, there's one thing that I want him to be able to know how to do. And that is to come in and go out. I want him to know how to bring the people in and to lead the people out. Solomon, when he becomes leader says there's one thing that my father knew how to do that I don't know how to do. He knew how to come in and go out. I don't know how to do that, so I need wisdom to be able to know how to do that. Now, let me just read you a couple more scriptures. They're not going to be up on the board. I just want you to listen to me. And I want to tell the media team, I I don't put all the scriptures up on the board. What we're going to start doing is moving into a thing where some of the scriptures will be up there, but some of them won't, okay? Because I want you to... Uh, Really kind of hone in and pay attention sometimes, all right? And, uh, you know, be able to look it up in your own Bible because, listen, you won't have PowerPoint when you're out there witnessing. Well, some of you may if you have an iPad or something, but most of us won't have a PowerPoint out there. So uh, so just just listen to a couple scriptures here. Deuteronomy 31.1 says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. He said this to them. He said, I am 120 years old today. It was his birthday. 
I can no longer go out and come in. The NIV says, I am no longer able to lead you like I want to. Here's his retirement message to the church. He's saying, the reason I'm retiring is because I cannot go out and come in anymore like I used to. If I could just get through some doors. (laughs) Obviously, that's not what he's talking about. But he's saying, if I could still do this, I would probably still be your leader. But God is moving and and he's placing in a new leader. And he's got to be able to go out and he's got to be able to come in. Deuteronomy 28.6 says, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. And you and I, you might have thought like me that that just meant when I come into my house at night and when I go out into the field uh, during the day to do work, but it means much more than that. And we're going to see that. John 10.9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Listen to what he says. He will come in. And go out and find pasture. That's New Testament. Come in and go out. So this must have some significance to be able to come in and go out. All right, you're right there in numbers. Now I'm going to ask you to turn over to Joshua. Again, this isn't up there. This isn't on the board. So if you have your Bible, turn over to Joshua chapter 14. And I want to read you another passage of Scripture. Joshua chapter 14. I'm going to show you scripturally what this actually means. Joshua 14, verse 11, says this. As yet I am as strong this day, on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then. So now is my strength for war, for both for coming out and for coming in. He said, my strength is for war, for going out and for coming in. And you see, going out and coming in were military terms. They refer to warfare. Here's what Moses said. He said, we need a new leader who knows how to lead the people out to war and to bring them in from war. And Solomon said, my father knew how to do that, but I don't know how to do that. And if I'm going to do that, I need some wisdom. So the military terms. But remember, everything that happened in the Old Testament was simply a type and shadow physically of what we go through spiritually in the New Testament. So I have a a question for you. Are we in a war? Are we still in a war spiritually? We are in a war. Yes, we are. So we need to know how to go out and we need to know how to come in. And we're going to talk about going out next week, but before we go out, and I'll show you this, we need to know how to be able to come in. And by the way, I don't believe that this is just a a random phrase in the Bible for this time, this period in our church. I believe it's it's really important for us to get uh, this in our spirit to be able to establish our future, this principle of coming in and going out. And you'll understand why here in just a minute. But let me give you a word for both coming in and going out that I think will help you. And why I under, why, it help you understand why I feel it's so important for us. And it will also bring us to the spiritual side of what we're talking about. Because we're not talking about warring against flesh and blood. Right? Powers and principalities. Coming in refers to worship. 
Going out refers to witnessing. Coming in refers to worship. Going out refers to witnessing. The reason that they would come in from war was to be refreshed. They would always go to the house of God first before they even went home. And they would offer sacrifices to God. And they would come in to the house and they would worship God. And sometimes when a war continued on for a long time, they would send for the warriors and replace them. And those warriors would come back so that they could be refreshed. They could come in and worship. They would offer sacrifices. They would come into the house. And the reason they went out in the first place was to show other nations who did not fear God who God was. And if these nations would have repented, these nations would have lived. They wouldn't have been at odds or at war with Israel. So that was the purpose of going out. If they would have been at harmony with God, they would have been at harmony with God's people. So they went out to witness to the whole world to prove that the God of Israel was a true God and the God of all the world. Now, still have your Bibles. This one I'll put up there for you. Go to Samuel, 1 Samuel. You're right there in Joshua. Just go to the right. Joshua judges Ruth. I don't know why he judged her, but that's just kind of a way to remember that. <laughs> when I was growing up, Joshua judges Ruth. Over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Looking at a few different scriptures this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now remember, Solomon said, my father knew how to do this, but I don't know how to do this. Now watch this, talking about his father David, starting at verse 12. It says, now Saul was afraid of David. And because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. Therefore Saul removed him from his presence and made him captain over a thousand, and he went out and came in before the people. David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. Therefore when Saul saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and he came in before them. All right, so I want to tell you three things about worship. Now, this is David, one of the greatest worshipers of all time. He was a leader that showed people how to come into the presence of God. But he was also a great warrior. He knew how to go out and show other nations that this God is the God of the world. Three things about worship. We're talking about coming in, and I believe coming in refers to worship. Here's the three things I just want to share with you this morning. Number one, worship brings God's presence in our lives. Remember verse 12 here that we just read says, Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Verse 14, and David behaved wisely in all his ways, and the Lord was with him. David understood what it was to be with God. Now, now listen, when we're talking about coming in and going out, I'm talking about coming into the presence of God, but I'm not talking about going out from the presence of God. I'm talking about going out with the presence of God. See, the preposition is very important here in this statement. For the Lord was with David as he went out to war. 
The reason that Saul was afraid of him was because God was with him and he had departed from Saul. The reason the Lord was with David when he went out to war was because David knew how to come in to the presence of God. He met with them. Then he went out. He didn't go out from the presence of God. He went out with God's presence. This is very important for you and I to get. When we go out, we must go out with God's presence. We cannot hear a message like we heard last week and say, oh, that's right, God said to go out and just rush out. We must first understand that we must come into his presence before we go out. There is no reason for you to go out without the presence of God, saints. There is no reason to go out until you come in because you have nothing to go out with. Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew 28, go, didn't he? Go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, making disciples. He said all of that, didn't he? But guess what? Guess what he told them to do before they went? First, he said, go, or that same Hebrew word for come in, come into the upper room and wait. Wait for my presence. Wait for my face. Wait for my spirit so that you will be endued with power. Because when you go out, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And they certainly did then. We will need him just as well. But we sometimes think that the presence of God is just here in church and maybe we're out there on our own without his presence. But no, God said, I want to be with you wherever you are to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> I grew up in a, a small little church, probably about 30 members maybe for a, a good part of my childhood and my life. And I, the church that I grew up in, the pastor would, uh, when I came to church, he would be at the door greeting all the people as they came in. And so we would come into church and then we would have service. And then after the service would o was over, where would the pastor be? He would be at the back of the church. And as you left, he was there greeting you. One Sunday, we were the last ones there besides the pastor and his wife. My grandmother took me to church and my grandmother and I were the last ones there. And she was talking and uh, we, and then we finally uh, ended up leaving the church. And I looked back and I saw the pastor. He was there. He was the only one left. And he closed the door and, and went back into the church. I thought he lived there. I thought that's where this pastor is. He lives at the church. Because when we got there, he was there. When we left, he was there and he locked the door. I assumed he was always there, you know. Glad to see you coming in. I've been waiting seven days here for you to come back so that I could see you. I, I just thought that he was there waiting on somebody to come. There's nothing wrong with that, and I'm make, not, not making fun of that. I mean, if, if there's a church that size that the pastor is able to do that, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. And, uh, but sometimes we feel like Jesus is that same way. You know, we come into church, and there's Jesus to greet us. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm glad that you came in and we're going to have a good time today. But then when we leave, Jesus is still there at the church. And, uh, you know, have a great week. I'll see you next week. And we say, Jesus, are you, you coming out with us? No, 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 I've, I've done that before. It didn't work out so well. So I'll just be here waiting on you guys to get back. And that's, that's what some of our uh, uh, thoughts are of how Jesus is. But that's obviously not how he is with us. 
He's not going to be right here at church waiting on you. We need to go out with his presence. Okay, so that's, that's not what Solomon was talking about, coming into his presence and then going out without Jesus. It's not what Moses was talking about. We need to learn how to come into his presence, but we need to learn how to go out with his presence as well. All right, let me read you one more verse on this. Jeremiah 17, 19. Listen to it. It says, Thus the Lord said to me, Go and stand in the gate of the children of my people, by which the king of Judah come in, and by which they go out. And in all the gates of Jerusalem, and say to them, Hear the word of the Lord, you kings of Judah, and all Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, who enter by these gates. Thus says the Lord, Take heed to yourselves, bear no burden on the Sabbath day, nor bring it in by the gates of Jerusalem, nor carry a burden out of your houses on the Sabbath day, nor do any work but hallow the Sabbath day as I commanded your fathers. And so here in Jeremiah, he's telling them, go stand by the gate and will the, when the children come in, welcome them in to hear the word of the Lord. Send them out with my presence. But he said something else here. He said on the Sabbath day, carry no burden. And I wonder why did God harp on this so much? Many people today think that when we talk about Sabbath, especially those who are not in church, think that it's just Sunday when we go to church. But actually, Sabbath day is Saturday. It always has been. It always will be Saturday, but why did God harp on this so much? I don't want you to carry any burden on the Sabbath day. Well, that has never changed. But we know that Colossians tells us that the Sabbath was a picture of the rest that he wants us to enter into. Jesus is our Sabbath. So, here's what I believe God was saying. I want at least one day... Out of the week where you admit to me that you cannot carry it on your own. One day when you say all of these burdens, my shoulders are just not big enough for, Lord, I need your help. Where you lay down your burden, the burden of your family, the burden of your job or your business, the burden of your ministry or your kids. You lay it down and you come and meet with me. It's what God is saying. I want you to worship before me. Now, this word worship in the Greek is proskenuo. Proskenuo. Now, that is where we get the word prostrate from. Okay? It literally means to put your face to the ground. And really, in the Hebrew, it means the same thing. And I, I can't pronounce the Hebrew word, but uh, the closest thing I can say to the Hebrew word is sheha. And that literally means put your face to the ground. It's a common Hebrew word. It means to prostrate oneself before another in respect. From a Hebraic perspective, worship or sheha is the act of getting down on one's knees, placing the face down on the ground before another who is worthy of respect. So to me, when we talk about prostrate before the Lord, it's surrendering, surrendering everything that you are. You know that old hymn, Dietrich talked about hymns, I surrender all. How often have we sang that? How often have we surrendered all 
Because what is left out of all? Nothing. Wouldn't it be something if we literally bowed down before God, if we laid our burdens down and admitted to him that we cannot handle them on our own? I'll tell you what our biggest roadblock is in doing that. It's right up here. Satan uses this to stop us. Isn't it amazing how Satan doesn't like this? He doesn't like for us to truly worship. See, he doesn't mind us singing slow songs or being emotional when we really should be surrendering. But to truly worship, isn't it amazing how he hinders us from doing that? Remember what Satan said to Jesus. He said, if you will worship me, in other words, if you will bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. And obviously Jesus didn't do that. But to worship, you have to remember, the people that lead us are called up here are called the worship team. They're not called the song team. They don't lead us in song. They lead us in worship. Isn't it amazing how many times we go through a worship service and don't really worship? Which is the whole reason why we're there. Is to worship. That's what God wants. I know we make a joyful noise. I understand that. But what really, what God really wants is our heart. He wants us to worship. We often get distracted, start thinking about something else, and it hinders us from worshiping. Remember shiny object? Well, that happens to us in worship. I know, well, maybe, I, I know it happens to me. I remember one time in a service, uh, I was thinking to myself, you know, I really have, I really feel in my spirit to just bow down before the Lord. But I'm in the middle of a service and I was in a, a church uh, with people that uh, most of them I didn't know. I was at a different church with Pastor Phil and we were at a place and uh, just the worship and, and the presence of God was so strong. And I felt like I, just, I really just want to bow down before God right now. I just feel that in my heart. And I remember starting to bow down. I said, you know what? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be embarrassed. I don't care about that. No, because no one else was doing it. No one had lifted their hands. And I mean, the presence of God was so strong. No one had uh, opened their mouth to say anything. Uh, people weren't hardly singing with this worship team. Okay, so all of this was going on. And I said, God, I feel it in my heart so strong to just bow down before you. And then, so finally I did. I threw caution to the wind, and I just bowed down before God. And this thought came to my mind. Your underwear's showing. <laughs> what I am saying to you is that God has called us to go out, but we cannot go out until we come in. And we cannot let this hinder us. We cannot let Satan hinder us. We've got to be able to worship God no matter the cost. We've got to be able to come in and worship him. Even if the enemy tells you that your underwear is showing. <laughs> but in order for us to be an effective witness, we've got to be able to worship. In order for us to effectively go out, we've got to be able to come in. Worship brings God's presence. Here's the second thing. Worship brings God's fear in our lives. Now, I know a lot of people sometimes get confused with fear and uh, they don't understand the fear of God. You know, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, but here's what it is. It talks about this. It talks about the fear of God being in awe. 
I am in awe before God. It's an honor. I honor you, Lord. And I have a deep embedded respect for you. That's what the fear of God is. And that's what we need. I believe that's what this nation needs. I believe that's what this world needs. It's a healthy fear of God. Awe, honor, and respect. But let me show you a part of fear, part of fear of God that people forget about. Back here we were just reading, verse 12 says that Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. Verse 15 said, therefore when he saw that he behaved very wisely, he was afraid of him. You know why he was afraid of him? Because God had departed from him. But you have to remember that at this time, Saul was an enemy of David. And not only had God's spirit left him, but an evil spirit came upon Saul. God's spirit left him, replaced by an evil spirit. Do you remember what they did to get that evil spirit off of Saul? David came, and he played music, and he worshipped. He worshipped the Lord. David brought his harp, and he worshipped, and it drove the evil spirit away. I just want to tell you this morning, if you have any problem with any bondage in your life, come on, here it is, get in the presence of God and worship. And I want to tell you, don't have a fear of the bondage. Don't have a fear of the yoke. Don't have a fear of the stronghold. Your healthy fear, your awe, your honor and respect should be of the Lord. He'll take care of the yoke. He'll take care of the stronghold. He will take care of the bondage if you would just get into his presence. But too often we try to do that ourselves because we have a fear of those things. But he was afraid of him. Why? Because the enemy was controlling Saul at this time. I'm telling you the enemy is afraid of Jesus. He's not afraid of you. You can't conquer the enemy by yourself. He's afraid of Jesus with you. He's afraid of you with Jesus. You ever seen a show on TV or some old movie that there's a little small kid and maybe he walks through the neighborhood or goes to school and then usually there's a, a bully who comes and you know, takes his lunch money or uh, just harasses him or you know, steals things from him and those bullies come upon him and they're just about ready to beat him down, you know, and then maybe this kid has a, a friend, somebody he befriended, maybe he helped tutor him or something like that and, and the, the friend is real big and so the friend comes around the corner and says, hey, what's going on? And they say, oh, nothing, we were just uh, fixing his coat, he had dropped something, uh, you know, and they turn and run, Right? This is the way Jesus is with you. The enemy's not afraid of you, but when he sees Jesus in you, he will turn tail and run. Telling you the best thing that you can do is get into the presence of God. Come into his presence and then you will go out and he will be with you. And the fear of God will come upon all those who come against you. Now, I'm not talking about people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But I'm talking about your spiritual enemy. They will be afraid of you because God's spirit is with you. We have to be able to worship. And here's the third thing. Worship brings God's wisdom into our lives. Verse 14 says, David behaved wisely in all his ways and the Lord was with him. Have you ever needed God's wisdom in your life? 
some point? Come on. You ever needed his wisdom? You ever had a situation in your home, at your job, at church, where you needed God's wisdom? Well, it's the presence of God that brings the wisdom of God. Solomon said, I cannot do this. My dad was great at this. My dad understood worship and warfare. If I could just understand this, I could be the leader that you want me to be, God. And so God said, because you asked for this and not for riches, honor, and fame, I'm going to give those things to you, but I'll give you wisdom as well. God's presence brings wisdom. Think about it this way. Who was the wisest man to ever live? Well, it was Solomon. And now we know why. He said it. He said, ask what you will. And Solomon replied by saying, well, my father David knew how to go in and come out. I don't know how to do this. Hmm. So I need wisdom. I don't know how to do these two. If you show me how to do these two things. Let me read you a passage about Solomon's wisdom. Second Chronicles chapter 9 says this. Now when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came to Jerusalem to test Solomon with hard questions, having a very great ritune of camels that bore spices, gold in abundance precious stones. When she came out to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all her questions, and there was nothing so difficult for Solomon that he could not explain it to her. Now listen to this now. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon, now listen to this list, the house that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters, how excellent they were, and their apparel, his cupbearers and their apparel, and his entryway by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. In other words, when she saw all of these things, there was no more argument with her. There was no more suspicion. She was reputed to be the wealthiest monarch in all of the world. And when she came to visit him, listen, she brought this gold in abundance. Most theologians say it would have been about 9,000 pounds of gold. That's about 144,000 ounces of gold. I don't know how much gold is per ounce, but you could, if Pastor Phil were here, he would probably know. You could you can figure that out. You can figure that how much that is. But it's a lot. And that's what she brought with her. It was also reputed that not only was she the wisest, but she was also the wealthiest. So where she came from, Sheba, it was in the east. And she said, there's somebody that people are saying is wiser than I am. I've got to go see about this. Where she was from, they thrived on wisdom. They, they loved wisdom. They loved riddles. As a matter of fact, she probably came from the same place that the three wise men or the three kings came from. They gave gifts to Jesus. They were from the east. So she comes 
from this area that is very wealthy, very intelligent, and they worship those things, wealth and intelligence. And she heard about this king that was wealthier and even wiser than her. And I don't think she came just out of curiosity. I don't think she came out of competition. I think she came to show him how wealthy she was. Because otherwise, why would she bring all of this stuff? Why would she bring 144,000 ounces of gold with her and all of this apparel with her? And so she comes with these hard questions to test him, not to find out if he really is wealthier than her, if he really is wiser than her, but to test him. But she sees how God has blessed him. And here's what turned her heart. When she saw Solomon come into the presence of God, when she saw Solomon, who had all of these things the world said that you need, when she saw him go in, prostrate himself before the Lord, put his face to the ground, no more questions were left. Because she saw all these things, the house that he had built, the food on his table, his servants, their integrity and their character, their dress, how well his servants dressed how they served him. And then she saw the entryway to the presence of God. How he got into the presence. She saw how he got into the... Do you hear what I'm saying? She saw how he got into the presence of God and that turned her heart. Does anyone see how you get into the presence of God? Because if you want to turn a heart, get into his presence. And we're going to talk about going out. We're going to talk about going out with a purpose. We're going to talk about going out and reaching people. But here's what reaches people. It's the way that we come in. The way that we come in reaches people. Let me just read you one last passage. Ezekiel 46, 9 says, But when the people of the land come before the Lord for the appointed feast days, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. And whoever enters by the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came in, but shall go out through the opposite gate. Now here's what God is saying in Ezekiel. Anytime you come into my presence, you will leave different. If you come in and worship, you come into my presence. Coming into my presence doesn't mean breaching the doors and walking into the sanctuary. All you did was walk into a building. But God says when you come into my presence and worship, you will leave different. And so let's make a declaration today that we will come into the presence of God. That way we will go out with the presence of God. We need and we have to have his presence. We can do nothing without it. You going for an interview? Have the presence of God. We heard the testimony this morning. The presence and the favor of God is with Dorothy. See, doors will just begin to open. Doors she never expected to be open. In fact, you thought it was going to be this way, but God says, I got something even better. And so what looks like it's falling apart, I really have something better together for you over here. But you won't see it unless you come into my presence. This is where I am to show you. 
And I believe, church, there will be possibilities given and presented to you that you had no idea were there. Things that God already has prepared. And I know I'm looking forward to it in my life. And I'm looking forward to it in the life of this church. After all, we are Life Church. And I believe that if we would come into the presence of God with a consistency, with the sole purpose of worshiping Him, that He will begin to reveal those things to us. He won't begin to prepare things for us. He'll begin to reveal things to us that He already has prepared. That's why I love what Moses Vey says when he says, Listen, now I am preparing you for what I already have prepared for you. He already has some things prepared. You will begin to walk in a favor that you never knew was possible. Solomon never knew that he would walk in that favor. The favor that God already had. Favor was already there. That's why God asked the question, What do you want? Solomon said, my father knew how to go in and come out. I don't. Solomon never knew he would walk in that favor, but God had it prepared for him. It was, a just, it was just a matter of Solomon accessing it by going in, coming in, and worshiping God. And here's what I want to do this morning, just for a couple of minutes. I would like for us to just worship the Lord. Because it will be the catalyst for everything else we do. It'll be the catalyst for witnessing. It will be the catalyst for favor on our jobs, in our family, relationships, for what God already has prepared for us. When Charles Kettering was a research head at General Motors, listen to this now, and he wanted a problem solved, he would call his workers into the meeting room. And then outside the room, there would be a table. Now listen, the table had a sign on it. This is a true story. And it prominently displayed, leave slide rulers here. Okay? Why? Because he had found that in the middle of a brainstorming session, when one person would be imagining, thinking outside the box, someone else would grab their slide rule And begin to make some calculations. And they would come up with an answer. And then they would say, you can't do that. They would get so locked into reality that they could not see possibilities. There are so many possibilities out there for you that you know not about. And you will never access unless you come into the presence of the Lord. Stand to your feet with me this morning. I know we're just about done. But I want to take just a moment, if we can. Let us worship the Lord. Let us enter into his presence. Let us enter into his possibilities. Amen.